This week in KMA Land, wind turbine talks turn tepid in Page County. KMA Land congressional representatives react to President Biden's State of the Union speech. Lawmakers weigh in on massive income tax reform bill. Concerns over school library bill aired at Shen Legislative Coffee. And Shen School Board responds to SEA SSA Plus salary proposals. I'm Mike Peterson. Page County's Board of Supervisors meeting Tuesday night featured another episode of As the Turbine Turns, with heated discussion and accusations surrounding a proposed wind farm project in Page and Fremont counties. During its regular meeting, the board heard from nearly 20 residents during the meeting's nearly two-hour public comment period, speaking out in opposition to Invenergy's proposed Shenandoah Hills wind farm that would straddle the Page and Fremont County line south of Shenandoah. Dr. Kevin Evans runs a chiropractor practice out of Maryville specializing in functional neurology and has lived within a quarter mile of wind turbines in Missouri. Evans says the constant sound can cause a problem if close enough to a residence, but also the continuous and unavoidable flicker can present an issue for the impacted landowner and provided an example to the board by flashing a flashlight back and forth between the supervisors. Uh, some people are going to be more susceptible to that than others. And... Um, you know, if I turn this light on here, for example, and I do this, after a while, you guys might say, could you stop that, please? <laughs> and, and I'd say, well, why? Well, it's, it's kind of irritating. Oh, well, I, I can see that then. I, I will stop that. Um, but, but you can't imagine what the little flicker in your house does when you're sitting there and it's just off on the side of your vision. And it's again... And it's again previously stated in Invenergy's presentation. Representatives said they had nearly 270 landowners on board with the project and had contacted the majority of the affected landowners. However, Brandon Hunter, who lives on a five acre farm near Blanchard, suggests otherwise in the percentage of landowners that the company has actually contacted. Um, we visited 33 homes in one township among uh, the wind farm footprint. One of the homes was actually signed up. Land he lives on. One person besides him was not bothered about the living in a wind farm. He made a point to mention the land around their property was not the sort of land they needed for turbines, so they were safe. Twenty homes out of all those did not want them anywhere near their homes. Three of those twenty people uh, were very distraught when we showed them the sign, the the footprint of the of the land around them. Four homes didn't really care and didn't want, um, more or less, didn't want to fight because I thought it was too big of a fight. Meanwhile, Sherry Hunter, who is Brandon's wife, says she has had trouble communicating with the representatives from Invenergy regarding the project and says all the environmental surveys don't mean anything if they aren't talking to the individuals impacted by the project. There has to be some sort of checks and balances. Little lies might seem like little lies, but this is little lies about very a lot. We only did one township and we've started another township, and we haven't found anyone that said yes. Not one. And I, I just want you guys to understand that. Not once. So why do birds and eagles get setbacks, but a suffering kid doesn't? Calls were also made to amend the county wind ordinance before Invenergy submits its permit application for the project. Jesse Stimson says a proposed change to the ordinance should involve expanding the county's 1,500 setback from the unoccupied residency to respect instead of property lines, which he says could serve as a compromise. That property line that we've been pushing, I think, is that fair, uh, okay, 50-50, okay? Right now it's kind of 100-0, uh, zero on our side. Uh, so let's go 50-50. 
and do property line, but that neighbor still gets their turbine. And uh, I think that's probably the best compromise that we would be looking for. Sure, there's some of us that would rather not have turbines. I think, I think everybody in Taylor County maybe thinks that now. However, Supervisor Chuck Morris says he has concerns with changing the ordinance this late in the game with Invenergy's proposed knocking on the county's doorstep. He fears a change now could result in hefty lawsuits against the county. And this question came up at our last meeting when uh, Invenergy was here. I think Jacob asked a question or, or made the comment, said, Chuck, you said we can change the ordinance. And absolutely, we can change the ordinance. The reality is, and I'll just tell you, get mad, you can throw stuff at me. I'm not going to change this ordinance at this point for this project because what that will mean, these 400 landowners, probably in Benergy, probably the Mid-American, will sue Page County. The board intends to discuss the county's win ordinance at its next regular meeting. Amid the continuing Russian war against Ukraine, President Biden delivered his first State of the Union address to the nation Tuesday night. Biden attacked Russian President Vladimir Putin and announced new sanctions against Russia. The president also announced plans to attack the soaring inflation that the country has endured during his presidency. Biden acknowledged that families across the U.S. are suffering from rising day-to-day costs. The pandemic meant that businesses had a hard time hiring enough people because of the pandemic to keep up production in their factories. So you didn't have people making those beams that went in the buildings because they were out. The factory was closed. The panic also disrupted the global supply chain. Factories close. When that happens, it takes longer to make goods and get them to the warehouses, to the stores, and go, prices go up. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. Biden says he wants to cut energy costs for the American people. An average of $500 a year by combating climate change. Let's provide an investment tax credit to weatherize your home and your business, to be energy efficient and get a tax credit for it. Double America's clean energy production in solar, wind, and so much more. Lower the price of electric vehicles, saving another $80 a month that you're not going to have to pay at the pump. Governor Kim Reynolds delivered the Republican response to President Biden's State of the Union address Tuesday night, saying Biden had failed the country on both the domestic and foreign fronts. We're now one year into his presidency, and instead of moving America forward, it feels like President Biden and his party have sent us back in time to the late 70s and early 80s. Reynolds called the withdrawal from Afghanistan disastrous and suggested the Biden administration has shown weakness leading to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Weakness on the world stage has a cost, and the president's approach to foreign policy has consistently been too little, too late. According to Reynolds, America is weak at home as well, and she spent the bulk of her 14-minute speech focused on domestic issues. The governor accused Biden and Democrats in Congress of not only ignoring but fueling soaring inflation. OKMA News gathered other reactions to the president's speech. As expected, the comments differed between political parties. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst is among the Republicans attacking President Biden's handling of foreign and domestic issues. In an interview on KMA's 705 newscast Wednesday morning, 
Ernst says Biden has been more reactive than proactive in addressing the Ukrainian crisis and that he's failing to lead the rest of the world in response to Russia's aggression. He has waited for many other countries to lead the way. For example, the U.K., they are the first ones to move on sanctioning Putin, the man, and then we followed. And then U.K. sent more lethal aid to Ukraine, and then we followed. And then we waited for the Europeans to agree on the swift banking system, and then we followed. Ernst joins fellow Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley in calling for Russia's expulsion from the U.N. Security Council. She says the move would send a strong message of rebuke to Putin and the rest of the world. There are so many U.N. members that are very upset with what they are doing. This is a made-up war by uh, the Russian leader Vladimir Putin. He is moving with aggressive action into a sovereign nation for no reason. Um, so, again, the message would be very strong, very clear, and Russia continues to isolate itself by these disastrous attacks on Ukraine. Likewise, Northern Missouri Congressman Sam Graves gave low marks to the Biden administration's handling of the Ukraine crisis. The Tarkio Republican reacted to the continuing Russian war against Ukraine on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning. Despite the Russian military's advances into the country, Graves says the Ukrainian forces and the nation's citizens are giving Vladimir Putin a fight he didn't expect. You know, Putin has really run into a buzzsaw. He was not expecting this from Ukraine, and, and he was not expecting the opposition, and, and it's just turned into a quagmire for him. So you really got to hand it to the Ukrainian people and, and the military there. They're standing up to a Goliath. On the Democratic side of the aisle, Iowa Congresswoman Cindy Axney found plenty to like about President Biden's State of the Union address. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning, Axney says she was excited over the president's call for more domestic production. What I was really excited to hear about is the fact that we are going to build a better America uh, by bringing manufacturing back, by bringing good jobs back here to the United States, by not continuing to outsource uh, the production of goods that we need. And that was music to my ears. So for me, that was incredibly important to hear. The West Des Moines Democrat also praised the president for his call for a renewed commitment to eradicate cancer in the country. Responding to Republican criticisms of President Biden, Axney accused the GOP of circulating false narratives and failing to work with Democrats on key issues such as the infrastructure bill approved in Congress late last year and signed by Biden. It's not about solving problems. It's not about finding solutions. It's not about working together. It's literally about opposing every single thing that the president or Democrats are doing. I have colleagues in Iowa that want to vote on things that we're voting for, but they won't because they've been told, you just don't vote with us. If you look at the House, you will never see Republicans vote with Democrats on any of the bills. Axney adds Biden and the U.S. are working with allies in NATO countries to help Ukraine as much as possible, but not engage with Russian forces. Iowa agriculture officials this week urged poultry producers to ramp up biosecurity measures following the confirmation of highly pathogenic avian influenza. During a press briefing Wednesday, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag and state veterinarian Dr. Jeff Kaisland confirmed the virus was found in a non-commercial backyard flock in Pottawatomie County. Nag says this is the first confirmed outbreak in the state since 2015. Kaysen says the outbreak was discovered in the flock consisting of less than 50 chickens and ducks.
After searching through area producers' premise IDs, Kaysen says only three other backyard flocks were within 10 kilometers, but says producers still need to remain vigilant. A viral disease affecting many bird species, and a key thing to remember that many species may not show signs of the disease. It can travel in wild birds, and those wild birds don't appear sick. So wild birds, migratory birds, carry the disease and oftentimes do not show any clinical signs. That's why it's important to make sure that interaction between wild birds and commercial production is that divisions maintained. Nig says it's too early to tell if the outbreak will affect any of the poultry showcases during the county fair season. Lawmakers in attendance at last Saturday's Legislative Coffee in Shenandoah extolled the virtues of a massive income tax overhaul. On Tuesday, Governor Kim Reynolds signed a bill approved in both the Iowa House and Senate on a 3.9% flat income tax rate phased in by 2026. State Senator Mark Costello discussed his support for the package at the Shenandoah Public Safety Center's Brooker Room. Costello called the final bill a good compromise between the rate favored by GOP lawmakers and the 4% favored by Governor Kim Reynolds. We have some surpluses. We have good revenue projections, and we think it's a good opportunity to take advantage of that situation and uh, do some good things for Iowa taxpayers. Some people have said, oh, it's most of the tax cuts go to the rich. Everybody's getting a tax cut that pays taxes in this bill. And, of course, if you pay more, you're going to get more back. Rather than eliminate corporate taxes as the governor favored, Costello says the bill sets the top corporate rate at 5.5 percent. With the flat tax bill's passage, State Representative Cecil Dolacek says the legislature fulfilled another promise made at the beginning of the session, including approval of 2.9 percent in supplemental state aid for K-12 schools and measures aimed at assisting teacher retention. Dolacek says the tax bill also carries provisions preventing the state from exhausting its reserve fund. Within that package that we passed, if revenue growth does not reach 3.5%, well then we take money out of the taxpayer relief fund, which automatically goes so that we can guarantee that we have 3.5% growth in the state's economy to be able to fund our priorities. And that was one of the things that the House was very adamant upon, was making sure that we had sustainable revenues so that we could fund our priorities, such as education, public safety, and those type of things, and uh, transportation. State Representative Tom Moore, who was also in attendance at the Shenandoah briefing, says the tax reform package also contains components helping retirees and farmers. I think two of the bigger pieces in this, though, are the retirement income, which is going to uh, go away in 2023, and uh, as well the opportunities for farmers on when they retire to be able to uh, either sell their land and uh, have those capital gains be in income tax-free or being able to use the rental income income tax-free. I think those are great pieces of it. Concerns over a bill setting new regulations for school library materials were also aired at that same legislative coffee in Shenandoah. Local resident Amy Zollers questioned a bill in the Iowa Senate prohibiting certain specified materials in schools and school libraries and penalizing school staff members distributing them. Zollers says her biggest concern regarding the measure is that a teacher or administrator found in violation based on a person's complaint could be charged with a misdemeanor and serve up to a year of jail time in fine $2,500. School districts, meanwhile, would be subject to a $1,000 a day fine. Frankly, one of the biggest tools of censorship is fear, and you've created fear in administrators and teachers thinking they might offend one person over one thing. 
And so back just starting with the administrators, what's the realistic way that they can review all the materials to make sure that they aren't in violation? State Senator Mark Costello reiterated earlier comments supporting the bill and entered into an exchange with Zothers when declining specifics on the materials he objected There's to. There's stuff out there in our, in my district that I don't want to see myself. It's terrible. Could you give an example? I'm not going to talk about it. No, 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 I mean the names it's, of the books and stuff. Because I just got done reading five books which have been uh, censored and banned throughout the state of Iowa and other states. And I just wondered if you would read one of the books. I, I've, I've seen a few excerpts of it. There's sexually explicit stuff in there that's really not acceptable. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't <coughs> want to read it myself. I wouldn't want, it wouldn't be allowed to be published in the paper. Wouldn't be allowed to mention on the radio. Um, it's illegal in, in some, you know, it is, we have our decency standards. Um, and so, look, that's what we're trying to address. Now, Solo claims problems with illicit materials in school libraries are widespread and in several area districts, while saying the Iowa House will focus on transparency portions of the bill, requiring districts to list materials in school libraries online. State Representative Cecil Dolacek called the Senate bill in its present form a very large overreach. In his opinion, Dolacek says portions of the bill do damage to the teaching profession. We're having enough trouble getting teachers now when you start burdening them to the point where they become fearful of being able to do anything. Uh, that's not good for their profession. It's not good for our students. So we need to find a blend and a mix that actually, as I've been trying to help support our teachers and uphold them, and get the respect back in the classroom that we seem to have lost. Passed out of committee before this month's funnel deadline, Costello replied that the Senate bill is expected to be amended as it's considered by the full body. While saying she applauds legislators' efforts toward transparency, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson says the processes in place in the Iowa Code regarding appeals on school materials should be allowed to work. Require us to do things like post that policy like we do our bullying and harassment. Uh, you know, require us to post our libraries. But please don't jail our teachers. <laughs> and I don't sense that from either of you. I don't believe that that's your intent or your belief. But the bill comes across as an attack on every educator that we have no professional judgment or reason. And I don't believe that's the Iowa way. Costello says all teachers should not take the bill as an attack and only a small number of instructors are distributing obscene materials. When pressed further by another attendee, Costello says he didn't have a list of the books or materials in question. Meanwhile, legislation limiting the scope of eminent domain for major projects appears dead this session. Senate File 2160, a bill that would prevent private companies from using eminent domain for liquid carbon pipelines, cleared a Senate Commerce Subcommittee recently, but was pulled from consideration in the full committee before the Iowa legislature's first funnel deadline. Speaking on KMA's morning line program Monday morning, State Senator Tom Shipley expressed disappointment that the bill won't be considered the remainder of the session. So there's a lot of people uh, even in our area around here that would be affected by a pipeline if in fact it's going to happen at all. Uh, of course it gets if you don't agree to the to letting them do it, that's where the fear is that eminent domain would be used. Now that's ultimately left up the Iowa Utilities Board whether to allow that or not. Now I, I was disappointed that it 
doesn't seem like it's going to make its way through. But we say nothing's ever really dead until it's it's over with. Supporters proposed the bill in response to Summit Carbon Solutions plans for the Midwest Carbon Express Pipeline, which would transport carbon dioxide from five Midwestern states to an underground storage facility in North Dakota. Summit Carbon Solutions recently applied to the Iowa Utilities Board to lay more than 700 miles of pipeline across a significant portion of the state, including parts of southwest Iowa. The company's application included a request for the right to use eminent domain for securing the right-of-way for the proposed project. Shipley says he has no idea what the Utilities Board will decide on the project. Obviously, they've heard from a lot of people on what should happen, so I guess we shall see if they do grant it, but I don't really know what they're going to do. I guess it's kind of a wait and see now and hope for the best. State Senator Tom Shipley. Shenandoah school officials aligned with state levels on salary proposals to instructors and support staff this week. Meeting in special session late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board approved its opening proposal to the Shenandoah Education Association, which entails increasing the base wage for teachers to $38,020, or 2.5%, for a total dollar amount increase of $142,885. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Kerry Nelson says the board's proposal is level with a 2.5% increase in supplemental state aid approved by the Iowa legislature and signed by Governor Kim Reynolds this session and provides the district almost $154,000 in new spending authority. The board's proposal is to use nearly all of what we're receiving and apply it towards the base. And Nelson adds the additional state aid includes money to cover transportation costs. A lot of times it's just the 2.5 percent it's very clear what that amount is that just about 37,000 of that amount is actually transportation equity funds that are included in the total and so that's also noted in the At the board's regular monthly meeting last month, SEA representatives proposed a base salary increase from $37,640 to $41,200, or 7.95%, for a dollar amount increase totaling more than $554,000. Board members also approved its opening proposal to the Shenandoah Support Staff Association Plus which included a 40 cent per hour increase in the hourly wage for each classification within the SSA Plus and $1 per bus route. The dollar increase totals more than $51,000 or more than 2.53%. Negotiations will now begin between the board and union representatives toward a final agreement for next school year. Sydney city officials this week faced public pushback on adding stop signs at a major intersection on the south side of town. During a workshop Monday evening, the Sydney City Council discussed the removal of speed bumps on Main Street at the intersection of Foot Street on the south side of town and the addition of stop signs on Main to combat speeding. As approved previously by the council, Mayor Ken Brown says the speed humps on Main will be removed as soon as possible after the removal was delayed due to snowfall last week. However, members of the public attending the workshop showed opposition to beginning the process of adding a stop sign to the same intersection. While saying stop signs could effectively prevent accidents, Fremont County Supervisor and First Responder Dustin Sheldon says they aren't effective in controlling speed. Stop signs by the state DOT are not an approved method to slow traffic down on a route. Because we've tried, there's been two other places in the county where they've tried to do that, 
and the DOT will not let it. One being in Main Street Tabor and one being on the road that goes through Percival to slow traffic down through there. In his opinion, after working with EMS for a considerable amount of time, Sheldon says adding stop signs could actually cause more issues. When you change a route like that and you've got one person that is, has to stop and one that thinks another one's going to stop, and you change the route, you're going to cause a wreck. We don't have any wrecks right there right now. You have people going too fast. That's the, that's the that's your problem. It's not accidents, okay? So when you have one person, the person stopped at the at the stop sign, either going east or west on Foot Street, assuming that the person going north or south on South Main is going to stop at the stop sign, and they don't, then you're going to cause a wreck. Council said a public hearing to add stop sign on, on Main Street at the intersection with Foot Street at its next regular meeting, February 14th. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.